When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is back at it. I got three straight days of Mr. Elijah Herbal. Ooh, you're Saturday in it. Look at you, man. All right, let's get to it. We will, (laughs) dare we talk some NBA. Don't worry, it'll be just a smidgen. But James Harden is gone out of Houston and Found his way to Brooklyn. I've got a Brooklyn hoodie hanging in my closet. Junior used to play for the uh, Lincoln Nets. And uh, many times they would they would exceed the win total of Brooklyn. Uh, that is flipped around with KD, with Kyrie, when he's not attending birthday parties, and now James Harden. So we'll dive into that. Uh, we are excited to talk with Mike Babcock, all things Nebraska, Babbers in 20 minutes. Mike Shuart, Shuey Pride is, is, is drinking an iced tea with a little lemonade in it, an Arnold Palmer. And right now he's either on the chip and green or helping somebody with their, uh, their, their swing velocity. Or, or maybe he's just sinking a putt and saying, this is how it's done for Doe. So Shuey is 30 minutes away. And then college football insider Brad Edwards. So uh, we'll dive into in, in his illustrious career of covering college football. Where's Bama rank? How do they compare to LSU? Uh, college football dudes yesterday put out the, uh, the infamous poll. And uh, 95 Nebraska, you know, greatest of all time. Nebraska was, was picked uh, as the, the best ever by Jim Weber. And, and Jim put this poll out, uh, you know, with uh, 2019 LSU, 2020 Bama, 01 Miami, and uh, 95 Nebraska. Uh, being the, the homer I am, of course, I'm going with 95 Nebraska. But we'll talk about that with Brad Edwards. We'll get Babber's take on it as well. Uh, some time for you to, to jump in in hour two uh, with open phones. Numbers to get in, 46637. 7646637768008255865 can dial us up can email chris at hailvarsity.com give us a follow and tweet at us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio at herbal essence news of the day is pretty nice elijah when you look at the nebraska defense they have the opportunity to get 17 of their top 20 defensive players back for 2021 you're still waiting on will honus you're still waiting on ben stilly you'll probably hear something from stilly or honus tomorrow and friday to 
kind of carve out the week in the wake of the Wandale departure. You've had some grad transfers use the portal to come in. You've been able to retain three-fourths of your secondary now with Deontay Williams and, and Markel Dismuke saying, hey, we're coming back. We're going to patrol that that safety spot. And uh, you look at Dismuke, I mean, he started the last 20 games and uh, is is a solid player back there amongst your top tacklers. And the way Deontay Williams has been playing football and think of his his impact – as uh, a guy that's that's flying to the football, that's got energy, that's got a little swag to him, and the strip sack and score against Penn State that ended up being the difference when you look at that seven-point difference. I mean, Deontay was playing some really good football, good for him coming back. I'm sure it was a tough decision because the guys had to endure Juco. He's, he's had to miss a couple of different seasons in his football career with, with injury and the season's not gone the way he's wanted them wanted them to go. I mean, Nebraska needs and wants to get to a bowl game in 2021, and it's going to be on the strength of the Nebraska defense to see how 2021 shakes out. We'll dive into where Athlon has predicted Nebraska in the Big Ten West in 2021 as well. But this is big. This is huge. It also allows a little more time for Miles Farmer to rehab, and you can ease in more time for Noah Pola Gates. Now, the next question, Elijah, is, you know, what are we? Where's the other shoe going to drop? What else happens negatively for Nebraska in the portal? Who else departs? We don't know, but the the name that you're you're wondering about here, based on the quarterback situation. And uh, what you what you you need on offense, you know, what's Luke McCaffrey? I don't know if he's even considering leaving Nebraska. I don't know if he's thinking about transferring, uh, transferring. But if if Adrian kind of took the reins and finished out the season, and you're hell bent on playing quarterback, do you wait or do you look elsewhere? And. Uh, it, it's going to sound wrong because we just saw Wandale left, but really this offseason for Nebraska football, just in terms of the transfer portal, I was expecting worse uh, in terms of a total number of players. I wasn't expecting Wandale to leave. That one hurts. That one stings. That's probably the biggest loss this team could have had uh, this offseason. But whenever you look at towards the end of the season, we were looking at maybe 15, 20 guys entering their name in the transfer portal because that's what we're seeing from other teams around the country. I mean, there's 500 guys in the transfer portal or something like that right now. And Nebraska, I still believe, uh, is under five total uh, like p- players in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm correct there. Uh, I, I think that's the number. You have Anderson, the offensive lineman, Wandale. Um, now I'm drawing a blank. There's a few more. That, 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 well, and you have Bo Wilson. Oh, Bo Wilson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, by just that metric of how many players are leaving, it's not bad, but the, the Wandale loss is awful. And then all these rumors about McCaffrey leaving, I mean – Dang, if I put myself in his shoes and I saw what McCaff- or, uh, Martinez did to end the year, I'd look at transferring too. If, if you're if you're hell bent on playing quarterback, I, well, I can't blame the guy. And and that's just it. What what do you want to do? What are you good at? Where are your aspirations? And what's reality? Could Luke McCaffrey be a quarterback at Nebraska? Sure. Is he going to be a throw first quarterback or a run first quarterback at Nebraska? Well. If we're betting your money and my money right now, what's he do best? He is good at making things happen with his feet. He's not been awful 
throwing the football. I mean, when he when he came in in relief back in 19, he made some plays on the move. Uh, things got disastrous for him, though, uh, in a short stint with the turnovers against Illinois, uh, for sure. And, and then when he came in against Northwestern with the interception in the red zone. So, situationally, he, they they called plays like it didn't matter who was playing quarterback. Go execute them. And Nebraska's execution at quarterback had a lot to be desired. Uh, when you look at top to bottom, left to right, and just the issues of turnovers, holding on to the football. The quarterbacks ran really well. Quarterbacks also turned the football over a lot, and the quarterbacks didn't throw the football that well. And it's a combination of wide out. It's a combination of, of time to throw the football. It's a combination of just making the play uh, with your arm. And, you know, if I'm Luke McCaffrey and I don't want to be an athlete uh, like my brother and I want to be a quarterback, then, you know, you, you should look somewhere else. And who's to say that you, you don't get another crack at it? I don't know that you're going to exist a second season with the, with the quarterback merry-go-round. I think you're going to stick and stay with Adrian and hope that he does more bad than good. No idea about Logan Smothers. No idea uh, about the readiness with a Harburg, who seems to be kind of a, a throw-first guy. I mean, Nebraska, you look at the quarterbacks here, right? I mean, let's just go down what's been recruited since Frost and Company's got here and who's been passed on, okay? Uh, you've got Adrian. What do we know about Adrian? Adrian was, was hurt his senior year of high school. Adrian's had injury issues. Adrian's also toughed it out and grinded through and tried to do the best for the team, right? So, Adrian is what he is throwing the football. And from a completion percentage standpoint, he he finished in the top five of college football. I mean, he was at 70% or just above 70%, which was great. But the downfield accuracy is what you want improvement on. You want to see 2018 Adrian downfield. Problem is, you don't have 2018 wide receivers. You don't got J.D. getting loose. You don't have Stan the Man helping take some of that pressure off, right? Uh, you recruited uh, Luke. Luke's a quarterback. You recruited him as a quarterback. You were honest with him about that. You've given him a shot at quarterback. Do you continue with him at quarterback, or do you sell him on uh, the role he had, do it all, do it everything, like he did against Ohio State, and, and his playing time and role gradually shrunk and he also got dinged i guess going into rutgers logan smothers is he an athlete is he a thrower how much of a project is he right is is he going to be a guy that makes a jump uh this off season and and really steps up as a quarterback that can throw the football in the big 10 harburg a kid that's really really awesome super talented but he's enrolling early okay uh you didn't go get Burrow. You didn't go get McKenzie Milton. So that those are those are the five quarterback names that you're that you're dealing with right now that you either passed on or you're working on and they're they're being groomed or you had a quarterback battle. So it's it's really important for Nebraska. Uh, I thought it was an interesting uh, few quotes uh, from Diedrich Mills to, to Steve Sippel. In the Journal Stars story uh, about Mills going off to the NFL, about how Mills, uh, the night before the Rutgers game, went to uh, 
Coach Frost and said, look, bro, give me the football. Please give me the football. It's, it's my type of game, right? It's cold weather. Let's get downhill. Let's run the football. Uh, my knee's all right. And it sounds like Diedrich had to tape his knee up a lot this season to, to go. You have quarterbacks here to use, and you've ran them. But you don't have you – ha- you didn't have a full season's worth of a healthy Diedrich Mills. And moving forward, I'm all good with quarterback run game. I'm not all good with the quarterback leading your team in rushing run game. Find and develop a running back. Uh, with, 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 with Step uh, in the zone read game, hopefully that is something Nebraska can maybe drift towards from an identity standpoint if they're going to run it. Do the one-two punch with the quarterback running back zone read and then smoke teams with play action where folks are so wide open you can't help but complete it. I don't know. Uh, this will be pretty telling. Uh, I don't know if, if you'll keep McCaffrey. I don't know if he'll stick and stay, but that's the name on our minds. For, from an from a optimistic standpoint, though, doesn't it look like this is going to be on the defense in 2021? And it also is a sad statement where the defense is going to have to to be lights out moving forward, assuming you get all of these dudes back, they're healthy, they're ready to go, and kind of dictate things, not only stop teams but take the football away until the offense kind of finds their sea legs. you got a lot of experienced offensive linemen coming back. You have guys that – at least got a season, albeit COVID 2020, uh, of time getting carries in the running back room. No one emerged, right? Wide out, we'll figure it out. It's it's still very, very cloudy. You know what you got at quarterback uh, right now with Adrian, but you're going to have to wait for the offense to kind of come along, and that is very, very disappointing to to say going into year four, of this offense, of this system, with a fourth-year starter. Yeah, it just feels wrong to say that the team next year can go as far as the defense can take them. Which, you know what? And and it was supposed to, the narrative was we would have put money on and going into la- this season, you know, you know, the offense will do their thing. Can the defense do it? Because that was the worry. How bad is the defense going to get gashed? Well, defense stopped getting gashed for the most part. They were pretty stout against the run, and you got to stop the run in the Big Ten to win football games. They got after Purdue. Uh, the elusive pass rusher is still out there, right? But listen, it's great that the defense is getting uh, their secondary back to patrol, uh, and, and that is one reason to be optimistic because this defense can 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 Nebraska win ball games like Northwestern won the West Division this year. Do you get as good of or or better quarterback play than Ramsey provided Northwestern? Do you get as good or better running game uh, that Northwestern had? Northwestern won a lot of close ball games. They won it with defense. They won it with smarts. They won it with turnovers. And they had just enough offense. A lot of 20 to, to, 20 to 14 ball games. I'd take it. I just don't know if I can... Is as many guys that are coming back without without a pass rusher, I don't know that Nebraska is going to be able to to win every game with their defense. No, but uh, it starts. With, and, and we're talking. And but to interrupt you. And we're talking. You know, best case next year, maybe seven and five. 
I, I can agree with that. Right, like best, best case, case, best case, get to a bowl game. Right, but, six but, and but six, it, get bowling. It starts with just winning one facet of the game. Hear about the three facets: special teams, offense, and defense. And this year for Nebraska, there were far too many games when they lost all three phases. They, or they're, or, they're, or if one was close. on, if one was on, the the other was. MIA. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this sets up the Nebraska team to at least have a defense that can win their phase of the game most games that we go out and play next year. The question is, is can you get enough out of the – Northwestern got enough out of their offense this year. Their offense didn't win every single game that they went and played this year, but they did enough. They didn't lose it for them. They didn't lose it for them. Can Nebraska's offense do the same next year? Can Nebraska's offense take care of the ball, put up 24 points, and hope your defense can hold the other team below 24? Well, and, and from a running game standpoint, maybe you do drift. You have that – light come on where you drift to more of a concerted rushing attack and you start out and you make teams stop you from run, running it successfully. Mike Babcock's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Wednesday edition, Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, and uh, tremendous with Hale Bar City. We say hi to Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, before we dive into football, Kaz was telling us yesterday about the telling me about the T-shirt you, you gave him, the Grateful Dead T-shirt, the Europe '72 T-shirt. Yeah, I found out that uh, he was kind of a Grateful Dead fan, so I I got a got a T-shirt for him. He still um, smiles about that, man. Well, that was very nice of him to to mention that, but uh, yeah, he he uh, uh, I always enjoyed uh, dealing with him. You know, he he was really a good. Uh, I thought he was a good coach, and I mm-hmm. thought he was very uh, uh, accommodating to to reporters, which which you appreciate after the, you know when you do it as long as I do. Well, absolutely, but uh, we we got into a little great. We even played a little Grateful Dead yesterday. All so, right, all yeah, right, yeah, little uh, little uh, Casey Jones. So I was busy writing a story. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> no good. I and uh, as we keep with the Casey Jones theme about uh, you know staying on the on the on the tracks here, uh, looks pretty good for the Nebraska defense here with uh, uh, Dismuke and, and and Williams coming back and. Still waiting on Stilly, still waiting on Honus. But, Mike, are we crazy to think that this, uh, this Nebraska football team for 2021 is, is going to be a, uh, a defensive lean? Is, is that going to be the strength of the football team? Well, yeah, I guess uh, you certainly have uh, going to have experience there and, and some, some good players um, with experience coming back. And you've got some young players that you know they're going to work their way in. So, um, yeah, I think that's a positive. The the thing is, uh, you know, college football is, for the most part, is all about offense. I mean, you've got to be able to put points on the board. Um, you know, maybe some of the teams in the and the you know you you mentioned earlier. Uh, Northwestern, you know, you you play defense. Wisconsin, you play defense. You're physical or whatever. Um, Iowa, probably to some extent, you play defense. You're physical, but um, you know that's that's part of it. But Nebraska still has to get some kind of an identity, establish an identity and a consistency on offense. And I, you know, I'm 
I'm wondering about where that's going to be um, and whether there's going to be progress, significant progress made uh, in 2021. Mike, we were talking last segment about just kind of the, the rumor out in Husker Nation uh, this week, which is uh, the McCaffrey news. Luke McCaffrey, could he be gone? Is he staying? Uh, not sure at the moment. But when you look at the quarterback position for next year, uh, obviously that's what's going to lead the offense. Um, do you see Adrian as the guy back again in uh, 2021? And if Adrian is the guy, is McCaffrey a wide receiver? Is he a backup quarterback? Or, or do you think that another program is, uh, is in the cards for him? You know, um, and so now I'm dodging your question by saying that's a good question, Elijah. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things that I thought when when I when I heard the uh, the news that uh, uh, Wondell Robinson had put his name in the transfer portal. Portal. You know, I wondered if uh, if if Luke would be next. I you know I, I really think that he he wants to play quarterback. But in answer to your question about Will Adrian be the quarterback? I think he will be. I mean, I think going into the going into the spring and and uh, and then continuing, uh, I think Scott Frost has made a commitment to him, and I think he's the quarterback. Now, you know what? How, how does how does Luke look at that? Um, I don't know if he would be um, happy doing something other than being a quarterback. I think that's his mindset: is that he's a quarterback. Um, and then you've got uh, you know Logan Smothers and you got Harburg, um, so there's there's competition for that backup job. Uh, if if in fact Adrian is is the starter, which I believe he will be, but uh, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a question. You know, that obviously there's going to be speculation about that. I think there was speculation about that a year ago um, because of the because of the situation. So um, that would be a that would be a, a big question, I think, um, because he's a very talented, uh, talented player. Mike, were you surprised that we didn't get a chance to see Logan Smothers in any game action this year? And do you think that speaks to his development as a quarterback? That he maybe he needs a little more time still. You know, I kind of there really weren't a lot of situations where you could uh, where you could go to the backup guy, I guess, and and certainly not down to the number three guy when you're. You know, if if you were going to get some backup quarterback uh, action in there, you, you wanted to give as much as you could to to Luke McCaffrey in, in that situation. So, it, I guess from that standpoint, it didn't surprise me that Smothers didn't get in there. But um, I kind of wondered what he was thinking about, you know, in terms of where where his future was, and you know, maybe we'll see some consideration. From him, you know, maybe he's thinking in those terms, but uh, you know, he hasn't been here maybe long enough to to really think about the, all that. But uh, yeah, it's one of the difficult things now, especially when w- with the transfer portal and the rules as they are. Um, it's it's really difficult to keep uh, I think multiple quarterbacks happy. Uh, that's why it's uh, interesting that uh, Mac Jones had such a such a great career, uh, such a great season at Alabama, um, because he waited, he he bided his time till it, till it, you know he got the opportunity and they made the most of it. But I don't think that that's typical. You know, I, I think most guys are um, when they get to that point, if they feel like they've got the talent and that's the position they want to play, um, they're going to look elsewhere. Bama's not typical. Uh, you look at Mac going, do I transfer somewhere else or do I? 
hang out and then get to throw it and, and hand it off to these guys, man. <laughs> I mean, they they are they are at the mountaintop for sure. Uh, Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Babbers, uh, just a little bit further, and, and not to hammer this horse, but with Wandale's uh, departure, is that uh, does that sound the alarm bells to you, for you, with, with where the program's at? And guys leave all the time, but this Wandale's super high profile and, and was – a major focal point of your office. Touch on Wandale, then also give me your take on on the the addition of Marquise Step because uh, when he did run, he looked pretty good for SC behind a not, not a great offensive line. Yeah, um, you know, as I told Elijah before we went on, uh, people probably won't believe me, but it, did, it didn't surprise me that Wandale left. I mean, I I kind of got the sense that uh, you know that was going to happen just because of the way he was being used and that you know it. I mean, he he took a pounding and, you know, a lot of other things. But, um, you know, so I put it in the context, you know, J.D. left. Mm-hmm. So you lose Spielman after a couple of really outstanding seasons, and you lose Wandale. Um, I think that that, you know, that's a concern um, because, you know, What's your image, or you know, how does it affect your image in recruiting when two really high-profile players um, bail on your program? Um, so I think that's a concern from that standpoint. The second concern is now where, where does the offense go? And you mentioned a, a transfer uh, uh, running back coming in here, but you know, there's a period of adjustment, obviously. And again, I don't think you're going to be consistently successful if it's always. Um, guys coming in with uh, 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 transferring in and, and making an immediate adjustment and you know having a having a, an impact. I, I think offense. I, I don't know where where the playmakers are going to come from on offense after you know with Adrian at, at quarterback and then and then what is, is that is he going to be the running back? Um, who are going to be the wide receivers that step up? We know that Austin Allen. You know they they probably got a, some tight ends that are going to kind of do some things. Um, high profile recruit there, but um, there, there are a lot of questions to be resolved on offense. You hope that they can get in a, a full uh, spring practice of some sort, um, because if we don't, then then everything has to happen in fall camp or whatever, and. And uh, there are just a lot of questions on offense, even though you've got uh, most of your offensive line back. Babbers, a couple minutes here before we say goodbye. Uh, interested in your take uh, when it comes to the best you've seen. And uh, does Bama get on your radar with uh, uh, one of the top teams uh, in, in college football history? Oh, yeah, no question about that. And, you know, I think that the people – Acknowledge that because you know where do all the awards go, including not just the Heisman Trophy, but the you know the award for quarterbacks and running with Doak Walker and Najee Harris and and uh, the Allen Trophy. I mean, it, they just had uh, uh, five star guys, five star recruits for starters, and five star recruits for backups, and and uh, just a. Tremendous amount of talent there, and I think that uh, 
uh, a good share of Alabama's defense coming back as well. I think it was a young, pretty young defense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you have to you have to say that because I thought Ohio State was a pretty good team. You know, even though it only played a limited schedule, and uh, and even though I thought the the Buckeyes fought, there was no. To my mind, there was no question who was going to win that game. Um, Alabama, you know, just uh, uh, a remarkable season, I think, and uh, I certainly would rank it with some of the best all time. You know, it's it's amazing that uh, you know, uh, saving coach Michigan State that got hammered by Nebraska, and then Osborne gave him some encouraging words um, after that, which uh, apparently stayed with him. Yeah, you're not. We're pretty good, and you're not that bad, or something to that effect. Yeah, <laughs> each, yeah. Each that time. was a good Nebraska team we're talking about there. Oh, incredible! His '95 Nebraska, and then yep. his '96 Spartans got drilled too, and Scott Frost first start ever. You know? Yeah, yeah. But that '95 team, and you know yeah. that that goes in the conversation, like you said earlier. Yeah, some pretty good football we've gotten to watch the last couple of years with this Bama team, LSU last year. That 0-1 Hurricane team always with 17 first-round picks. Uh, they were incredible. What, what kind of docks them as the, the close shaves they had. And then Nebraska, you know, they, they covered every game but one, right? So, Yeah, and, uh, you know, the 71 Nebraska team, you got to go back. You know, a different time and place, different game, but Big 8 uh, finished in the, in the one pole, one, two, three. Nebraska, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and Colorado. That's impressive. Babbers, we'll do this again next week. Thanks for time today. Hey, be safe. All right, you too. There he is. Mike Babcock with us. Historian, author, Hall of Famer. You read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. We'll talk some golf, some football. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge, up next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. What, what, did you hang up on, Chewy? Still efforting. You are still efforting. Okay, keep efforting. Keep efforting. Uh, so we'll talk about the transfer portal here. And uh, could Nebraska tap into it for an outside linebacker, maybe? Get a pass rusher? But uh, you have Deion Sanders has a funny and creative strategy for dealing with the transfer portal at Jackson State. Hey, Elijah, shut your mic off, cowboy. There we go. So, uh, you've got in about a dozen transfers to Jackson State. Uh, Players eventually, and some will want to leave Jackson State. Deion's got the plan. And here's what Dion said yesterday. Uh, I should say today at the virtual media day. If a kid thinks uh, it's best to be here, go do it. If a kid thinks it's best to be elsewhere, you need to do it. Because we don't want anyone here who's unhappy. And I told him yesterday, if you want to opt out, you don't have to wait to opt out. I got a seat in the meeting room called the portal. (laughs) So you can go ahead and opt out. To the portal. can put you there right now, and you don't have to wait. You don't have to surprise me. It's right there. Go ahead. You don't want to be here. Go there. So pretty much uh, blunt takes from Deion Sanders 
about not having to talk a kid into to staying or going. We welcome in uh, Mike Shewart, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, you ordered this uh, 58 degree masterpiece up here for uh, mid January, didn't you? I did. I'm in charge of that weather when it's good. I'm not in charge when it's bad. So how how busy is the course, man, out at Wilderness? We're not open yet. We can't get the snow off some of our greens. Yeah, not even the the Talon course, huh? Nothing, nothing. So we're hoping that we get most of it. It's going slowly, but so we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully one of these days we get back open. So you're telling me I could, though, sit out on the deck and have a bourbon? That you could do. That sounds a lot more fun anyway. Could have more than one. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Shuey, I want to get into some Nebraska football. You uh, you bleed red. You love big red football. Uh, how did you take the news on Wandale? Uh, surprised. Uh, I'm very surprised, actually. You know, you hear rumors, but you don't ever think, especially a kid that's in his situation, that, you know, that he would end up going into the portal. I mean, it's not like they didn't showcase him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sh- was showcased every week, you know, when he was kind of the face of your program, and he talked the talk when they interviewed him and things like that, you know. So it was a little surprising to me that he that he left. But at the same time, you know, losing has a tendency to do funny things to people, get them thinking funny ways. Don't disagree. Now, how and I got to ask you this: Long you've coached a lot of kids. Them divot dogs are fantastic out at Wilderness Ridge. How do you navigate that inevitable moment where a, a parent or guardian or someone who cares about a young person wants to uh, offer advice or, or tell you how to do your job as a coach? <laughs> Uh, you have to be very politically correct in how you do it instead of being able to say exactly what you want to say to him. You know, which is <laughs> yeah, shut, up this... and, shut up and go away. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have the softer touch is what you're telling me, like you're yeah. about 90 yards out. <laughs> so you just try to do your best to explain to them what it is that, you know, what they're thinking and why they're thinking the way they are and, and try to, give them some concrete evidence of, you know, why they're not thinking correctly and what they're thinking of, at least at that point. You know, everybody thinks their their kid is always better than they really are, you know. So it's like you try to show them why they need to stay where they're at or keep on track to where they're at, keep doing the things they're doing, and eventually they might get there. You know, very few cases there's somebody that good that you don't have to do that you're underutilizing them i mean i've never been in a situation where i'm underutilizing somebody's talent i mm-hmm. mean they 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 think they're not being utilized correctly and you're not doing a good enough job and it's like that's hardly the case ever Mike Schuhart with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, when you take a a step back and look at this whole Wandale situation, uh, I know he's a great talent and Husker fans everywhere were pretty sad that he's gone. Um, But I don't want this to sound spiteful, um, but do you think he was the right fit for this Scott Frost team uh, in the Big Ten? I I mean, as we've seen Scott Frost over the past couple years, he's gone more towards bigger receivers, bigger running backs. And and, and was Wandale just... 
too small for the Big Ten is in the way I want to put it, but was he not the right fit for what Scott is trying to build here at Nebraska now that we've seen what he actually wants in his offense through three years? No, I think he was the right fit. They didn't have some of the other pieces around him to actually maximize their ability to use him. I mean, they needed you needed a better wide receiver that could stretch the field to take some of the coverage away so he would open him and open up space for him more kind of as a receiver, more underneath, inside, outside. You know, when you don't have a threat that's that's stretching the field out there, then you don't have to worry about that. Um, so, I mean, he's a, he's a player that needs space. How do you create space? You have to have positions that are creating that space, you know, and we just didn't have enough pieces around to create space for him to work in. You know, he's, he doesn't, he's not a running back on the Big Ten. He's too small, you know, and he's not a typical wide receiver. Again, he's too small, but he's really good football player in the right situation, in space, let him do what he does best. But you got to have the pieces around that can create that for him, and that just wasn't happening yet. Shuey, about a minute here. How are you coping without Husker basketball till next Wednesday? I know it's terrible. I, I I love to watch my Husker sports. Just wish they were winning a few more games, but still root for them. So it's I'm sad not being able to watch them. But hopefully everything's good. All the kids are getting healthy and. They'll get back playing pretty soon. And when they do, man, they're going to play a lot of games in a short period of time. So uh, a thought, Chewie, as we wind down, uh, what's going on, on out at Wilderness Ridge? Folks can come see you. Uh, I know that uh, the uh, the club's turned private, but, man, uh, what a what a place to, to join. Uh, give folks kind of a rundown of what your winner looks like. Yeah, it's got a lot of building going on. I'm standing right here in our existing pro shop looking at our new pro shop that's going up, and uh, it's fabulous. They're starting to do some work, pouring some cement, getting the foundation. So hopefully by March we'll be into that. That's going to be our new pro shop and a new uh, golf academy. So super excited about that. And then start working on the pool. Start working on our members-only area, so all that slowly starting to uh, take shape and, and uh, getting worked upon. So, super exciting to watch the progress. Super anxious, waiting for it to be done. I can go get a sweet tan. Yeah, man. That's right. Give me a swim-up bar, brother, and I'll put those wings on. How about that? Swim-up bar in a lazy river. Oh can't beat it. It's a winner. I love it. <laughs> Shuey, we'll talk next week. Thanks for jumping on with us today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. You too, buddy. There he is, Mike Shuart with us. We'll wind down hour one. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, Brad Edwards, college football insider, going to be with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, can join us, 466 766-800-825-5865. Are you moving? If so, West Blue Realty, they are the place to, to get in contact with. They take care of you when it comes to residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And uh, when you mention Hale Varsity for a limited time, 
West Blue can help provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home per- purchase. And Tom Luby and Kelly Hofsnyder, they are fantastic folks. Tom Luby at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofsnyder, give Kelly a call at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. That's Lincoln, not West Lafayette. Could Wandale be headed to Boilerland. Let's get you filled in. So here's what's going on. SB Nation has uh, their sights all over. And this was, to me, a slam dunk to Kentucky. Wasn't it to you? I mean, that was the home state school. Right, that's who you flipped him from. He said no to Bama. He said no to Ohio State. It was, let's go to Kentucky. He was originally committed to Kentucky. Right. You got Uncle Vince that used to be on Nebraska staff, Morrow. He's on the Kentucky staff. I would put a billion dollars down, that it, and I don't know that there is or was tampering, but if there was a little birdie in, in, in Wandale's ear about coming closer to home, and you read into some of the comments that, that Wandale made to Rittenberg about offensive use, okay? It's Kentucky, right? Not so fast. Jeff Brom and Kentucky are in the mix, in the race. And you have a source uh, telling Steve Wildfong of 24-7 Sports, Purdue making a major push. A source says Robinson was all set to move to Lexington on January 19th, had an apartment lined up. Perhaps Robinson, who's on a mini vacation, will still move in, but he could also end up to Purdue. It's 50-50 right now. Not only are you losing Wandale, you could lose him <laughs> within your own division to Purdue, And you want to talk about a urination contest every year between who's got the biggest brain on offense? That that contest is routinely between Brom and Frost. My play calling's better than yours. No, my play calling's better than yours, specifically when you look at how cute Nebraska got two years ago. They went meat and potatoes and just drilled Purdue this year. But... You know how the relationship is with Rondale and Wandale, lifelong friends, guys who worked out together. And I remember seeing them at midfield with one another. Listen, Brahms offense, whoever the hell they throw at quarterback, uh, seems to work to the tune of 300-plus yards a game, minimum. They're going to chuck it, and they're going to find a way to get a slot guy with that athleticism open. They've also got Bell there. I don't think he's declared for the NFL. Not yet, no. I don't think he can because I think he's just a true sophomore. So you have Bell there on the outside where you can go do your thing in the slot. Hey, big win for Purdue, but it would be a double whammy uh, for Nebraska. Brad Edwards coming up. Thoughts on uh, college football. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back to it, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal will spend plenty of time here. Could Wandale Robinson end up at Purdue? The uh, folks at 24-7 are saying 50-50. I've reached out to a Purdue source, and all I got back was the I'm not sure right now. Um, Ted is emailed in, and Elijah, you're supposed to stop playing the obnoxious uh, progressive commercials? Because I know you've scheduled them. I think that it's a little bit above my pay grade. That's what I told him. I was like, don't yell at us. That's the one that uh, the, the annoying girls at the end. It's Tuesday. Yeah, that one's I, terrible. I just tune out. I can't stand uh, that. But uh, excited to, to spend some time now with uh, College Football Insider. We say hi to Brad Edwards at J Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, thanks for a few minutes. And uh, man, it's been a been a busy week for Nebraska. Been a busy week for you and uh, the, the national championship game. And let's start out real quick with uh, just when you put into context what you were able to watch with Alabama in 2020. Where, where does the, the Bama team rank? as long as you've been watching college football, are they there with LSU of last year? Are they there with 01 Miami? Are they there with 95 Nebraska? And I know it's hard to compare eras, but what's, uh, what, did, what did this Bama team do for you? Well, I, I wish we had our FPI metric going back further than 2004 because you just named two teams that are really high on most people's list that I would love to see what the numbers say. 95 Nebraska has been the one that, I've always said as the gold standard for domination. And I'll say the same thing about Alabama that I said about Nebraska uh, for many, many years, is that I don't think anyone can say that they're the greatest team ever as far as they would beat any other team that ever played college football. And I think every year we get, it's a lot easier to say that very few teams from 10 years ago would have beaten the teams from now. Right. Um, the, the great teams, anyway, just because it's a different game, and it's you know everyone is is just developed more uh, as far as the the efficiency at which they do things, and you know players continue to get bigger, faster, stronger, etc. Um, offenses are more innovative. The rules have changed. Uh, you know all all that stuff. But within the context of the season that each team played in. It's hard to find one that was more dominant than, than Nebraska. You know, won every game by 14 points or more that season. Obviously, a, a lopsided win in the national championship game. And Alabama was the same type of thing, except <laughs> except for the SEC championship game. That was the only game they didn't win by more than 14 all season. Obviously, the you know national championship game that never felt close. And, you know, then you, you go back to that SEC championship game against Florida, and, and they end up winning by six. Uh, they never trailed, but Alabama was up 18 at the half, and then they let Florida get back into it. They actually got a stop. They got a turnover um, in the fourth quarter that was negated because an Alabama cornerback was offside <laughs> on the play. Press coverage, and, Brad. Uh, Florida got <laughs> Florida maintained possession and ended up scoring. And if not for that play – they would be in the same category as 95 Nebraska, having won every game by 14 points or more. And so um, by FPI, and, and what FPI does is it measures every team based on you know, how many points better or worse than an average FBS team are you. Alabama has the highest rating for, for any season um, in, in our data set. They're 
Uh, they finished up at 36 points above average, uh, which is um, it's pretty significant, and it's actually a decent amount better than, than last year's LSU team, which, by the way, um, was not even the best team in the country last year, according to FPI. Ohio State was. Mm. Uh, LSU just didn't have to play them. Um, and so who knows what would have happened if they had played each other. But from an FPI standpoint, last 16 seasons, 2020 Alabama is your answer. Brad Edwards with us uh, on Hale Varsity Radio at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, uh, I want to go to just the feedback and what you have been able to, to gather and glean uh, from the, the, the world of college football and the coaches as they've had to endure and deal with this uh, this transfer portal like no other, this 2020 season like no other, where it's it's a free pass to transfer uh, and a supply and demand uh, potentially problematic. Now, there's always a spot for a guy like, uh, you know, Wanda Robinson, uh, but a kid who's maybe jumping ship too early because the grass might be greener may not end up having a roster spot unless – there's uh, some back-channeling going on. But as you've uh, worked through this college football season, uh, what do you make of it, and, and how, how crazy is it driving coaching staffs? It, it's definitely a concern um, because without there being relief uh, on the books for the, the overall um, maximum number of scholarships, you know, they're in a position right now where you know, they're having to allow for this. In fact, I heard a number of coaches say that you know, when they signed their classes you know, back in December, and obviously the, the signing period continues into uh, – or not the, the period doesn't continue, but it, it restarts mm-hmm. in February where they can add more guys. Um, but, but some of these coaches have been very aware of the transfer portal, uh, who might be available, you know, what positions where they really have a need – and making sure that they leave some scholarships open. So instead of signing the full 25 or whatever they might have normally been able to sign, they're leaving a few spots realizing that they should be able to grab someone out of the portal who is maybe better suited to contributing right away than a true freshman would be. And then for some of these teams that feel like they're just, you know, two or three guys away from, you know, being the type of team that they want to be next season, that, that seems like a better option to them. And so, you know, you've got that along with the possibility of, of seniors returning, and, and obviously that's something that's kind of complicated because it, it's not just simply a matter of does the senior want to come back. It's, you know, is, is the coach willing to allow that senior to keep one of those 85 scholarships? And, and so that, you know, that has to be a two-way street there. And the, the whole thing is, is just very convoluted and confusing and uh we we know the senior thing is going to go away after this year but the one-time transfer thing is not now certainly there'll be a lot of guys who will use it up this year so they won't be able to use it next year i don't think there'll ever be as many guys entering the transfer portal at once as we have right now um but but you know in years to come this time kind of you know in the the first few weeks of of january um is going to be a, a a major kind of transactional period in college football as far as seeing, uh, you know, who's leaving and, as you said, seeking greener pastures. And this year they're not all going to find it. You're dead on, which is that there are, there are going to be more guys looking to move than there are spots for them to move into. And, and a bunch of these are going to end up uh, having to go down to the FCS level in order to find playing time. With that said, how has Bama been able to 
they lose kids, but they they reload. And you don't. I I don't hear about a lot of kids leaving Alabama. Is my question. How do they get a Mac Jones to to wait his turn? How do they get a Najee Harris to wait his turn? Yeah. How do they develop a kid like Smith to <laughs> to be around two years after he makes the, the national championship winning catch from Tua? I mean, I, I know they're special, they're elite, they're mountaintop, but it just seems why are they so different, Brad? Well, when Nick Saban first came in, like a lot of you know, coaches that are new to a program, uh, you're in a position to sell playing time. And for a guy like, you know, Julio Jones, you know, Mark Ingram, um, that were in that 2008 class of his, he was able to, Dante Hightower, I think, was in that group, um, you know, that, that it's like, hey, you know, you can come and have a chance to, if not start, at least play a lot as a true freshman. And, and you know, that that sales pitch always always is pretty successful if you're at a, a big enough program. But then you get to the point where the sales pitch changes, and, and for many years now, Saban's sales pitch is, hey, come here, compete against the best, and, and you know, you'll find out if you're good enough to play in the NFL. Because if you're not good enough to play on this team, you're not good enough to play in the NFL. Now, some people, <laughs> some people might actually dispute that because uh, you've got a guy like, like Alvin Kamara who right. came to Alabama and – he was behind both uh, both Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake on the depth chart, and so he's like, you know what, I'm you know I'm too good to wait my turn. <laughs> so he he took off, ended up landing at Tennessee, and even Tennessee didn't realize how good he was. Uh, we didn't find that out until he, he got to New Orleans. But um, there are a few guys like that. But I, when you talk about the ones though that you just mentioned. It's really just kind of setting that expectation when they come out of high school. Like, look, you're coming here to compete and to see how good you are. And if it means that you have to wait a few years, so be it. But this is going to get you, you know, more ready for the next level than anything else that, that you know, you would be able to do. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly guys have bought into it, and a whole lot of them have ended up, you know, going to the next level. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Najee Harris, who just two years ago was behind both Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs. You know, you had Mac Jones, who, who came in in the same signing class with Tua. He was a, a low four-star when Tua was a five-star, so he knew he was behind that guy. Both of them came in immediately after Jalen Hurts had just won, you know, the SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a true freshman. So, they knew that they weren't going to start as true freshmen. And, and so uh, Mac Jones was just committed to putting in the time and the work and getting better. And he sure did. Even Devontae Smith, it's funny, even though he played as a true freshman, obviously caught that touchdown pass, you know, in overtime against Georgia to win the national title his freshman year. But I don't think he ever started a game that season. And the funny thing is, is that he, like so many others, they got onto the field by playing special teams. And I don't know if you've noticed it in the, in, in the playoff games, or at any other point this season, but Devontae Smith is a gunner on the punt team. Right. And, and that's how he got on the field. And Saban's one of those guys, like, look, if you show you do something really well, we're not going to take you off of it just because you're really valuable in another area. <laughs> you know, that you're, if you're the best we got at this, you're going to be on the field doing it. And that's what's scary about Devontae Smith. You see what he does as a receiver, what he does after the catch. Apparently the dude can tackle, too, because he wouldn't be a gunner on the punt team if he couldn't. Brad Edwards with us here on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brad, I think the ridiculous sales pitch that Nick Saban has right now is that every single player that he's brought to Alabama who has completed their four years of eligibility at Alabama 
has won a national championship during their time in Alabama. That's just ridiculous to me. But on the flip side of things, you got I mean, most programs in the country don't have that sales pitch. Uh, and I just saw what Utah has done uh, in the Pac-12 as they've gotten now two transfer players uh, at running back position, TJ Pledger, uh, as well as a kid out of Oklahoma State. His name is, uh, is slipping me right now. Um, but would you consider Utah the early winner of this transfer portal period? I know it's going to continue for a couple weeks with the hundreds of players, but they've had a, a strong showing so far. Yeah, they have. You know, I think it's too early. We have to wait and see, you know, when the smoke clears and, you know, who ends up. Because there, there's some big fish out there. I mean, uh, Eric Gilbert, who was a, a true freshman tight end uh, at LSU this past season, he's put himself into the portal. I, I don't know where he's going to end up, but I, I believe coming out of high school, at least by the ESPN recruiting rankings, was the highest rated they had ever had a tight end coming out of high school. And he looked the part. I mean, he played like I mean, he, he's a he's a star in the making. And so, uh, you know, just guys like him. I mean, you're talking about someone who you know, someone who was um, sought out as a recruit by everyone in the country just a year earlier, and now um, he's going to end up, you know, fortifying somebody's roster. So there'll be a few guys like that, and uh, and who knows? There could be some unexpected guys too. I mean. I'm throwing this out as an example. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but this is just an example of the type of thing that can happen here in the transfer portal. Um, Bryce Young, five-star quarterback from California in, in last year's signing class who was at Alabama, who was the backup to Mac Jones this year. He was recruited. His primary recruiter out of California was Steve Sarkeesian. And, and so how many instances will there be of someone in that type of position where the guy who recruited them gets a head coaching job, or maybe gets promoted to coordinator at another school, and this guy's like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go with him. And so, once again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but somewhere at some school that is going to happen, where a guy who they thought was going to be their starting quarterback or their starting running back or whatever it may be is like, nope, I'm, I'm heading elsewhere, and I'm going to follow this assistant coach who recruited me. And so I, I think we've got to – you've got to make sure the coaching carousel has stopped spinning before – you can be completely sure that the, the, the whole transfer portal thing has run its course. Well, and you look at Loxley taken to his little brother, and, and he balled yeah. really well in Maryland. Brad, I, I've got about a minute left. Just a quick take and an optic reaction with Wandale Robinson leaving. I've asked my guests today their, their reaction from a national perspective, your reaction. He was pretty vital to an offense that was sluggish. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I guess this stuff doesn't it doesn't surprise me just because of uh, just understanding where players are right now with their opportunities. What you start to learn is who wasn't happy, right? I mean that's that's kind of where where this this kind of strikes me. I mean I guess at, at a lesser program you could say okay he just wants to go somewhere where he can play for a championship, but that doesn't sound like what's going on here. Um, now can they replace him? I, I'm sure they can. You know whether that's through the transfer portal or whether that's you know from a recruiting class or whatever. Um, you know I, unless you're talking about a quarterback, it's 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 really hard to say that any one player can't be replaced. I mean even Devontae Smith at Alabama, you don't have another Devontae Smith, but it's not like okay you just lost ten points per game right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say it it it, it certainly hurts Nebraska, but um, I I think fans everywhere need to get used to this type of thing. Because there are going to be surprises like this every January from now on. Maybe not on every single team every January, um, but um, it's going to become a lot more common, which is that there are guys that you didn't realize 
were unhappy and maybe looking for somewhere else to go that, uh, that, that turn out to let everybody know that that's what they're doing. Brad, thanks for jumping on. We'll get caught up soon again. Thanks, thanks for the time. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, open phones here for the next uh, 15 minutes, 466-377-6800, Two questions. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Athlon putting out their projections for 2021. How does fifth place in the Big Ten West grab you as a Nebraska fan? Are you like, huh? Well, yeah, that seems to fit. Or no way they'll be better. Or right now as a Nebraska fan, are you like, well, let's let's hope that Nebraska can can finish somewhere in contention there. The other thing we need to, to revisit is, is Wandale Robinson and uh, Steve Wiltfong putting out the projection that it's Kentucky where uh, Wandale will end up. That has shifted a bit, and it sounds like 50-50 between Kentucky and Purdue. As a Nebraska football fan, do you, you know, when we talked Monday and kind of bled into Tuesday on this, a lot of us that we heard from, a lot of you we, we heard from, and I personally, I don't have a problem with Wandale transferring because he was getting zero help. Now it's it's a it's a it's a team game, but I think it's fair to say Wandale Robinson was a, as as good of a team guy as you could have the last two years. Yes, he's a weapon. Yes, you want to use him. I never question his interest in blocking. He was downfield, and I you know what would I think of him as Wandale the blocker, right? I think of him being more excited than McCaffrey that he ripped off a 47-yard run against Ohio State because Wandale was downfield blocking. And, I mean, Wandale just wants to win. So in two years here, there's frustration, there's touches, and I don't know that he was told he was going to carry the football uh, as a running back because, dude, you're our best option at back. And and Guy was really good, had some of the, the best runs this season while Diedrich was down carrying the football out of the pistol. But that's that's not how he wants to make a living. Uh, despite being a guy that will, will do what's best for the team, he carried the football a lot. You look at what he did against Northwestern uh, a couple of years ago. You look at the game against Illinois, right, where that Nebraska came back and won two years ago. You look at his, uh, his, his effort uh, against uh, Purdue this year. You look at uh, some of the, the, the plays he made against um, – Minnesota. He's made big time plays in the running game, but he also gets the hell kicked out of him between the tackles despite hitting the hole really well. Um, do you have a problem with him now leaving potentially for Purdue? Is that an issue with you as a Nebraska fan, or do you still kind of stand firm if you're okay with him bolting? And really, it's his call and it's, it's his family situation. So it's out of you know your hands, but you know how's that grab you? Does that tick you off? Uh, that that to me is insult to injury. Not that he's not free to go where he wants or do what's best for him and his family. Absolutely fine with that, but it just sends 
even more of a deeper message you could read into where just the the mess that is the Nebraska offense, or at least the, the lack of faith that things will be better next year where there will be help, the offense will be better, there will be better quarterback play, there will be a running game that complements whatever they want to do with him in the run game, there'll be better production wide receiver that can help spread things out so you can get him in space. All those are fair doubts after two years for Wandale Robinson. But then to go to Brom, and you look at this this Brom system that is really good. They just don't win a lot of games either. <laughs> and at least they've been to a bowl, though. And then the Frost system, right? I mean, Nebraska put in a lot of resource effort, time to get him here. It is the portal. He made the jump. But would you uh, would you feel a little bit a little less chipper for him uh, if he makes the move off to Purdue. Because it, it, it is it is interdivision, and not only does he leave you, but he could end up coming back and beating you. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound too blunt here, but to me, that would be a damn slap in the face if you were to go to Purdue. It's, it's, it's palm and back of the hand. It's two slaps. Yeah, all in one. All in one motion. Just getting him, because, I mean, the thing is... Going to take your gloves off and... I mean, it's one thing if you decide to leave Nebraska. It's another thing if you say it's for family reasons to what be closer to home, and then you go to Indiana, which isn't much closer to home at all, if closer well, at all. And then it's three and a half hours, three and a half hours to to Boilerland versus eleven hours to Lincoln. Okay, it's closer. Rescind my point. No, no, I'm, I'm just I, no, but, no, but it, it's it's not it's not it's still not Kentucky, it's not Lexington. <laughs> no, it's still not Kentucky. It's not, it's not within and, the state. And it brings in the option of now Wandale has to go and beat Nebraska once a year, every single. Like, do you? It would be a slap in the face if he decided to go to a place where he would be beating Nebraska every single year. He'd have to play against Nebraska every single year. He'd have to go travel back to Lincoln and come beat Nebraska at Memorial Stadium uh, once out of the next two years. Like, it would hurt. It would hurt a lot, especially after what he said about, "Oh, I love Nebraska." Um, I, have I no think Ill he feelings. still does. I I think all of that's true. I think all of that's true. I think when push comes to shove, you gotta do what's best for yourself. Well, and that's that sounds so shallow and selfish in me versus we, but the the kid has given his pound of flesh in two years. And if you're a betting man, are you really that torn who could have a better season? Purdue or Nebraska next year? At least offensively, who has more offensive weapons? Whose offense is together? Who can go showcase their talent for the NFL? And and listen, Purdue underachieved. They, they they did two years ago. You had the whole drama with Rondale Moore. Is he opting out? Is he opting in? But you still had Bell there. You still had the offense doing some things. Purdue lost a, a lot of games by a close margin as well. And then you know Nebraska kind of drilled him and then kind of let him back in and ended up winning by 10. I mean, it, it's it's a... And, and then you have the, the, the two egos. You've got Frost and you've got Brom. You know, don't forget that bulletin board material that pissed off Brom the, the first time they took on each other. Right? The, the winnable game. <laughs> the winnable game comment. Well, it's a winnable game. You know, I mean, Brom was... 
That was one of the first things he said in that post game when they won in Lincoln in 2018. Now, Purdue's offense is nice, but they're, they're not a picnic going on right now with their staff and their direction. I mean, there's people that are ticked off that, that Brahm's making $5.6 million a year. They've gone to one bowl game. They went 4-8, and eight, and they were not good last year. <laughs> you, you rented Diaco for a year, right? So Purdue's not in any – it becomes less about winning and more about showcase. If you do make that jump, Kentucky at least has been to bowl games. Kentucky's been knocking on the door for making that climb up in the SEC East, right? I mean, they they were within a game or two a couple of years ago of, of getting to an SEC championship game. They're built on defense. They're, they're a mess at quarterback, but it is closer to home. Back to the Athlon article and uh, Nebraska coming in. Uh, at number five in the West. Where's Purdue on that ranking? Six. Ooh. So you've got Wisconsin that's predicted here. And again, this is the way too early Athlon uh, prediction for the Big Ten West. Uh, they have, uh, I think they have Michigan fourth. Over in the East, they have Indiana second. Wisconsin and Iowa one, two, Northwestern three, Minnesota four, and then Nebraska. They point out that Nebraska, you know, three of the five losses by eight points or less. So you could easily flip that three and five to five and three. But we've been saying that for three years with the close losses, right? Uh, You need better quarterback play. You need someone to step up at running back. You need someone to shake out at wide receiver. From a Nebraska standpoint, and God, we pray that you have fans in the stands this year. As we go into 2021, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern all come to Lincoln. Fairly certain Ohio State comes here. I think you have to go to Ann Arbor. And I guess, yes, there is the road trip to Norman. And you are at Minnesota. And I think Purdue and potentially Wandale Robinson come to Lincoln. You know, if Nebraska's fifth, people will be not happy. They're already not happy. How do you get to that, that fifth-place finish projection? And can you still squeeze in seven wins or six wins and get to a bowl game? Yes is the answer. You can finish fifth in the Big Ten West and still get to a bowl game. But you're hoping at this point, you've been so close to Iowa, right, that you get over the hump. Yeah, You've been aching to take on Wisconsin. You didn't get them last year. You've been right there with Northwestern. I mean, just dogfights where one out of the three have gone your way. And then Minnesota's, they won a close one this year, and it was you've traded blowouts. Uh, Purdue beat you by two touchdowns and then three, and then you kind of drilled them by ten this year. And then the, the wild cards, you know, what's in the cupboard for the pig farmer in Brett Bielema? I don't know if Nebraska is going to open up in Ireland or they open up in Champaign, but that's it's a big ball game for sure as we uh, look ahead to 2021. You know, if, if I'm Nebraska and you're wanting to see success, I think you need to finish top three next year. And you'll hear Nebraska fans talk about, I'm not going to lower the standard. I get it. I get that you want Nebraska to be a 
high-level, high-functioning program. You're going to have a defense to lean on as we look at it on paper, and it's a little bit beyond paper. You've seen it on the field. But uh, offensively, God, we, we've turned into talking about the Nebraska offense like we were talking about the Nebraska defense last year, and look at the jump they made. Maybe all we need for Nebraska to, to move it forward is to actually have a winter conditioning that turns into a true spring football that's not interrupted by COVID, and then a training camp, and then boom, you get in to the season. Maybe you do some, some normalcy could make uh, leaps and bounds difference for Nebraska football. But I just hope they can get things uh, figured out at running back and you get a better football team that is way more focused on the offensive side about fundamental football. Yeah, and you mentioned not wanting to lower the standard. If you if you don't want to lower the standard in 2021, you're going to be sorely disappointed by this team. Well, there's there's reality. There is just absolutely reality where the football program's at. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. We say hi to Dr. Doug Tavis. Dr. Doug, Happy New Year. How you doing? Doing great. And uh, appreciate you asking me to do this program instead of one of my partners, you know, a couple of days after the national championship game. Well, it's, hey. It's a great week to talk radio. It, it's, it is. And it's, you know, we just look at Alabama and Bama still rolled. The the tide still rolled as, as uh, Devontae Smith had uh, no catches, no yards, right, in the second half. Because he, he did enough in the first half. What a win by Bama. You've seen a lot of football, Dr. Doug. You've been at the NFL level. And, man, it is special with uh, uh, the edge Alabama plays with. And, you, I mean, you look at guys out there, the quarterback's limping around. Waddle rushed back with his ankle. Yeah. And, and Devontae got casted up. We'll focus on Devontae Smith for sure, obviously, with our jock doc. But, man, they, they are they – are, a lot of fun to watch on Monday night. Unbelievable team. Unbelievable team. They got they got people, you know, they got depth at all, in every position and and uh, you know they they're you know like Saban would say they're winning every play and uh, you and do he, that the outcome's assured. And and he uh, and he boils it down to every play. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh I want to ask you about uh, Devonte Smith here. Uh, what a performance by him, but we saw the hit with the linebacker in coverage where Smith bobbled it, got hit, and then his right hand was uh, annihilated by kind of that chest shoulder pad region as he was trying to grip a football, and, and then he was in the medical tent for about 25 minutes. couple of broken fingers, or, or is it worse? What have you seen and heard about about Smith, I know it's not a long-term issue. He says he'll be all right, but it, it took him out of the second half. Yeah, so um, probably the best you know information that we've gotten about this is what Saban said after the game that they had um, uh, that he had a dislocated uh, finger and that uh, they had trouble getting it back in. And then um, when he came back out and he had that that. Uh, 
uh, wrapping on it. I, I don't know if there was cast material there or what it was exactly, but uh, uh, that they just weren't going to let him go back in. And you know that's understandable, especially given the you know what this guy's got coming up for him in the future. Well, when we talk about a dislocation, and, and you've been there a lot to, to get guys back in, I'm interested to. Take me through that scenario, that setting where you're trying, and it's painful. I mean, we've seen guys run off the sideline where the fingers point the wrong way, and a lot of fingers can do that. And what's going on where you you can't get it back into place? Yeah, so with this particular situation, it looks like the index finger is the one that's involved. And um, uh, when you're watching that video in fairly slow motion, now, there's one point at which there looks like there's quite a bit of deformity where the index finger joins the hand. That's what we call the metacarpophalangeal mm-hmm. joint. Um, most finger dislocations happen at the joint that's the next one out. It's the it's the one in between the uh, the bones of the of the actual finger as opposed to where it joins the hand. Now, the, when you have one of the dislocations um, between the, uh, the finger bones, they're pretty easy to get back in. Um, they're, you know, you, you've got to work at it a little bit, but usually they're pretty easy to get back in. The ones that occur where the finger joins the hand, those can be pretty challenging. And so especially given the fact that they were having trouble with this one, I suspect that that's where that dislocation occurred. When a, when a dislocation happens, um, of course, what, what has happened is that, you know, the one bone isn't lining up with the other bone at the joint, and the structures around that joint um, have to have some damage. But in the finger, you also have the tendons going past that joint, and sometimes those tendons can get in the way of being able to put it back into position. Uh, Sometimes it even requires uh, opening it up surgically to get it back into position. So they can be pretty complex. Uh, I'm glad they were able to uh, get him, you know, squared away and then at least get him back out there for the second half to enjoy watching his team obliterate the Ohio State, unfortunately. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Devontae Smith, his hand injury and that dislocation that, that cost him the second half, didn't cost Bama as uh, the tide rolled over Ohio State. What's the, uh, the, the, the pain level for something like this? Uh, I've not dislocated any fingers. We've, we've all jammed fingers playing ball, pick up hoops or football, but... Um, and some of us may have also, you know, dislocated the finger. But pain-wise, uh, how does it compare and, and how sensitive is that region of the body, the hand part, for a wide receiver moving forward? Yeah, well, I, I, that's really critical, obviously, to the wide receiver. Um, the, the problem here is that um, in situations where you might not have x-ray available to you immediately mm-hmm. um, you may be ended up dealing with a fracture associated with that as well like like uh, Goff did you know a couple sure. of weeks ago right you know where he, where he ends up having to have surgery for what he thought was a dislocated finger but it turns out it would be a, a dislocation with a fracture um, so uh, the pain level is going to be dependent on you know which joint it is and, and whether or not there's any fractures associated with it. 
most dislocations, once you get them put back into place, the pain level goes down so dramatically that people feel like they can go out and play again. And so if we're in a situation where I've got a dislocation um, that goes back in very easily, and let's say it's the um, let's say it's the long finger um, uh, as opposed to the index finger. That's one where I can use the index finger and the ring finger basically as a splint to the long finger. Um, I can wrap that thing up, and, and and those two other fingers on either side act like a you know act like a cast around it, if you want to say it that way. That's a guy who can probably go back in and play and and be pretty comfortable with it. The index finger is a little bit harder because it's unprotected on the thumb side. You can you can buddy tape it or or uh, immobilize it against the long finger, but it doesn't quite have as much um, stability to it. So, um, you know, the the degree of pain that's going on there is going to going to be dependent on the other factors that go along with it. And then for a wide receiver, it just makes it so difficult to think about going out there and trying to catch a ball, um, especially as hard as some of those guys throw the ball. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Junk Doc Wednesday. Devontae Smith, incredible Heisman winner this year. Uh, his injury Monday with the, uh, the the national title game. Dr. Doug, what's turnaround for, for Devontae here to get back on and, and healthy here? What's the timeline? Yeah, I think given the fact that we're not hearing that there was fractures involved here, um, I think he's probably going to treat this like about a three-week soft tissue you know, type of an injury. Um, there can be some other reasons why that could be extended, but um, you know, he's going to be if he if he injured this thing in the in the middle of the season, he would have been coming back towards the you know later part of the season. So um, I think he's going to do really well. I don't know what it's going to mean for his you know for his NFL combine stuff. Uh, he's still going to be able to show off his speed regardless of his index finger. Doctor Doug, thanks for the time today. You bet. Take care, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast uh, downloaded. Can do so iTunes. Spotify, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Tell Alexa to play it for you. Get to the Herdat Media section of the podcast on HailVarsity.com. What a selection of incredible podcasts. We thank you kindly so much for listening to us like you do. And uh, all the on-demand content is there for you too. ESPNLincoln.com is where you can go and also stream us there. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of injury by up to 60%. You can practice the best defense there is when it comes to a crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Plenty to cover today. Big Ten West projections, Nebraska slated five, too high, too low, just right. And uh, Wandale Robinson may be to Purdue. Big big uh, thanks to Brad Edwards and Mike Shuhart. And, of course, uh, Mike Babcock was fantastic. Elijah, good to spend some time with you. Just to remind you, the stake in the beer bet will be a uh, double or nothing on your end. 
because my Sam Cook led Baltimore Ravens took down Tennessee but, by, by a touchdown. But I can be happy because the bragging rights bet, which was just picking the winners of every single game. How'd, how'd that go? Uh, you were three and two. I was five. Oh, and LSC because we predicted five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're three and two, and I was four and one because I got the Browns. We both see. Okay, and I, I couldn't believe what happened in Pittsburgh. I mean, the thing is, is like the Browns, they won that game. But it was the Steelers shooting themselves in the foot with all those turnovers. The, the Browns won that game. The Browns had help. Yes. In, in, the in Steelers that game. helped the Browns win that game for sure. Easily. Uh, NBA here. So you got Oladipo going to Houston as part of this 47-team trade Boys. with uh, Harden being reunited with KD. They've got Kyrie. Uh, true or false on the Nets, they are a major threat to the Lakers. Oh, man. Because that's... Uh, yes. Yes, true. Major threat, true. I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers this year still. Um, how funny is it that they went and traded all those pieces for Harden just to go lose to a 40-year-old LeBron James? <laughs> I, you know, I don't... I hope, I pray that we get a great seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Okay, first and foremost, that's all I care about. Secondly, I'm quite interested here in Kyrie... Uh, and and how frustrated he has been because clearly these protocols are ticking him off. Guys survived the bubble and hated it, but they're not practicing great uh, discipline. Specifically, I mean, Harden, how many how many negative tests did he have to rattle off consecutively to get back on the court? A lot, just because he wanted to go to the uh, the front row buffet. I mean, whatever. I I think there's one basketball and and three basketballs too few for the Nets. (laughs) Could be a lot of dribbling on that court for the rest of the year. (laughs) Says Charles, yes. Back at you tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Thursday edition, Hail Varsity. And we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks for tuning in.